welcome to this week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. I'm Hugh Dempsey, joining me as always is Sam Blakely. Hello, Sam. Hello, Hugh. How are you? I'm alright, yeah. I mean, I, I should I should make it clear, you know this, I should make it clear to the audience, I've just woken from a nap. So I might be a bit soporific. I'll, uh, luckily, it's your episode, so you'll be leading the first 10, 15 minutes anyway. <laughs> How are you uh, getting, up, getting on? Yeah, I'm all right. Not too bad. Um, just saw old Bojo, uh, the clown, announce that we've got some sort of lockdown easing now, but you can exercise Very, for as long as you want, is my takeaway yeah. from all that. Very non-committal, I think, but uh, we'll, see, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Have you had a good week? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, you. Yeah, all right. I mean, I had an Australian experience a few days ago. I um, was getting some food out of my tooth and uh, knocked the back of one of my teeth off. So I'm kind of... I think they say something like, you know, we were supposed to live about 35 years because that's how long your teeth last. I'm now finding that I'm I'm reaching the end of my natural life expectancy. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I can take away from it. It's all downhill from here, mate. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there's a lot of waiting around on phone calls, waiting on hold to uh, to finally get a dentist to just recommend I get a temporary filling. Th- this is all extraneous detail, but it, it's it's a whole new world for me. Yeah, and now I bet the back of that tooth where it's come off is, it's all rough, isn't it? It's not smooth, so I bet your tongue's catching it's on it. It's very sharp. <laughs> yeah. Can keep catching my tongue on it, absolutely. So all I need is some cold, cold alcoholic drinks. So here we are. Have you got tonight? Uh, this is... Uh, rum with a pina colada juice. So I suppose a pina colada, really. It's a pre mixed, pre mixed non alcoholic pina colada, and then I top it up with alcohol. Lovely well, stuff. I'll be honest, I have no professional segue into tonight's film, to be honest. Uh, from that. <laughs> um, something about barley. Yeah, know. barley's used Hops. to make some alcoholic <laughs> drinks. The yeah. wind blows that. There we go. <laughs> there you go, and it shakes it. All yeah, it off. shakes it all off. Yeah, in a yeah. In a so we're, we're dealing with the uh, two thousand and six <laughs> Fieldwood classic, the wind that shakes the barley. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Ken Loach directed the uh, ever present mm. polemicist, um, written by Paul yeah. Lafferty or Lafferty. I think is how you pronounce that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Scottish writer who's worked with Ken Loach for a long time. It stars Killian right. Murphy, um, also Liam Cunningham of Game of Thrones fame, mm-hmm. Union Knight. Um, also, um, all the now. Do you pronounce it? So this is where this is where. So Hugh is Irish. I'm not. Um, so this is where hopefully a bit of that will come into it. I know somebody called Porrick that's spelt vaguely like that. Is that Porrick? Porrick? How, um, how do you pronounce Teddy's I- name? Well, you can. In my experience, you can either you can say Padrick or Podrick. It right. depends on the person. Some people say Porrick. Some people say Padrick. I, Maybe I'm, the accent over the A makes it sound like a pa. I, I don't know, Sam. Depends I'm not it. down with the language <laughs> at all. Cause yeah. It's, I, I grew up here, so I never learnt any mm. Gaelic at all. Um, only the little bits and pieces that people have kind of said to me over the years. Um, but yeah, it's got right. Killian Murphy, uh, Padraig Delaney, Liam Cunningham and Orla Fitzgerald are the sort of the principal cast. But it's uh, very much an ensemble piece. Um, so mm. yeah, would you like a quick brief outline of the film? 
I would, because to be honest, I barely even heard of this film before we watched it. So I'm guessing listeners out there, if you do listen to us without having watched the film, you will need a little bit of a synopsis here. So do you want to take us through that, Hugh? Uh, Long story short, Killian Murphy's character is a young doctor about to leave to go to London. Um, He witnesses a brutal murder by the British uh, Black and Tan Forces ex or demobilised soldiers that were brought in to help quell Irish uh, sedition in the early, in the late 19, you know, late 19 teens, early 1920s. And he sees a young 17 year old boy murdered. And then he sees a um, conductor on a train get assaulted and a train driver get assaulted when they refuse to let some Irish soldiers on, onto the train. So essentially, he ends up joining the uh, IRA, uh, which his brother's already a member of, um, and then the story plays out from there. They um, they kill a local landowner who dobs in uh, a few IRA members who are executed. They manage to escape execution themselves uh, by being released by one of their guards. They also end up executing one of their own who was complicit in this uh, in this sort of situation. Then. They, it's shown. It's all. It must be said that it's all kind of set in this small little town in Cork, in the south of Ireland, and so they end up. The British. There's a peace treaty signed, and then the, there's two camps. There's the um, there's the anti-treaty camp, and there's the pro-treaty camp, and the two main characters. Yeah, there's a very clear kind of. Um, there's a clear break into Act Three. There isn't there where they. Yeah. It's finished one uh, one battle basically and now it's now warring you know, warring factions to decide if they should accept the treaty or not. Yeah, so Killing Murphy's character's anti treaty and uh, Porrick Delaney's character, um he's pro treaty and they're brothers and there's a bit mm. of like a whole Cain and Abel side of this where one ends up essentially killing the other because of their political beliefs and yeah, it's um, spoiler alert. Yeah, well this is a spoiler heavy podcast, so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't say which brother. <laughs> if you are, <laughs> true, true. if you haven't seen this film, so, do you think for those who haven't seen it, do you do you think you need a strong knowledge of this period to enjoy the film? I think Ken Loach doesn't treat his audience as idiots, so I think yes, mm. you need to have some idea of what's going on or what happened, but at the same time, it keeps it very much grounded to a very small locality that you can sort of follow along with just the struggle of those characters. You don't need to know the history intimately. All you need to know is there was a war, there was a or there was a guerrilla fight for independence. There was a treaty signed, a peace treaty. One side was willing to have peace with concessions; the other wanted outright victory. They fell into two camps. Then a civil war erupted, and that was finally settled in 1923 at the end of the film. And it, you know, it pits, you know, brother against brother, friend against friend. You know, people from the same part of the world end up fighting essentially you know there's no joke in Irish politics that the first thing on the agenda is the split right <laughs> that's good so. Um, so Hugh what does this film mean to you or, or what do you like about this film um, so I would say that you know it's very grounded film it, it you know the cinematography by the cinematographer here uh, Barry Aykroyd who's worked with Ken Loach in a lot of films it, it's such a beautifully well filmed film you know it's it's got this lush countryside it's got these muted like dark browns and candle lights and lush greens it's um 
you know, filmed in such a way that there's a lot of shaky camera. It's very intimate. You know, you kind of almost feel like you're one of the members of the IRA with these people, like an un, almost an unnamed character who's who's only can kind of see what they can see. And yeah, it's kind of there's an authenticity to this film that you believe that these people you, you almost forget that they're just actors and they're just playing a part because of how realistic it feels. Even a hundred years removed, they feel like people you might meet on the street. Um, and I like that about it because you can feel the danger that everybody's in. You know, there's no, there's no like heroes in it. You know, people who seem untouchable. You know, you, there's, um, you know, you have a shootout on the side of a hill, and you genuine your heart starts racing because you're like, well, somebody could die here. And then when there's bloody violent acts committed, it's very personal. It's very intimate. Look, it's not an easy watch. I'm not going to pretend it, it was an easy watch. I haven't seen it since maybe 2007. It came out. I watched it about a year after it came out. And yeah, I came back to it because I thought maybe you would, you know, I know that you like independent films. So I thought you would enjoy that intimacy of it, even though it might be a bit difficult to follow at times. You know, there's a, you know, there is a clear main character and there is, you know, it's Ken Loach. So there's always a social message there. And that's, you know, a lot of critics throw that at him and say, oh, well, you're basically a socialist polemicist who only makes things to make a message. And there is a message in this film. Um, I'll tell you now what Ken Loach himself said. He said, every time a colony wants independence, the question on the agendas are A, how do you get the imperialists out? And B, what kind of society do you build? There are usually the bourgeois nationalists who say, let's just change the flag and keep everything as it was. Then there are the revolutionaries who say, let's change the property laws. It's always a critical moment. So that's kind of, he's examining that. And that's kind of, the way that the film in the second half especially kind of steers you into kind of sympathising with Killian Murphy's character and with Liam Cunningham's character you know they talk about the the wealth of the nation being available to everyone and what the free state people are basically saying well we don't want to go to war we don't want Britain invading us after they've just killed 17 million people or helped kill 17 million people on the continent let's you know, if they, they, it might not, it might, they might be a paper tiger, but I'm not, we're not willing to find that out, essentially. We don't want to get absolutely destroyed and have, you know, hundreds of thousands or thousands of people killed in a, in a war for nothing. So we've got this piece and then when we're in a position of strength, let's go forward. So you, you see it from both sides of the coin, but there's, there is a heavy leaning towards the socialist side. And I think maybe you'll enjoy that sort of exploration and, yeah, that kind of there's a there's a powerful scene in the church where um, uh, Damien Killing Murphy's character kind of shoots down what the priests are saying, and he as he's leaving, he goes, "Oh, trust the church to always side on the part on the side of people with money, you know where the money mm-hmm. is essentially." So he's condemning them for their avarice and for their sort of keep the status quo. Let's and he really wants to change the country, and you know you can see the sympathies in that, and you can see the sympathy from the other side. Um, so yeah, that's what I think. That's what I enjoy about it. It's, I think, if you were to take anything away, is it's just feel like when one of them dies, there's like one guy dies, and you, I don't think you even meet the character, but there's just a long lingering shot on one of the one of the men who's just they've just killed all these British soldiers, but he's just 
he's kind of remorseful and he can feel the cost of the war. Just some random extra who's in it or maybe had one line earlier and he's just looking mm. down on the ground, holding his gun on his shoulder and he's just like, you can see he's like, what a waste. You know, this young man's died fighting for his country and, you know, was it worth it sort of thing. And I think that's um, that's my interpretation of it anyway. And that's really what I enjoyed. I think you've got strong performances as well, as well from Killian Murphy and uh, Porrick Delaney. Uh, Liam Cunningham's good in this. Um, uh, Ola Fitzgerald, she's very good. The old lady whose name I haven't gotten written down here who plays um, Ola's mum in this, Sinead's mum. Uh, she's mm. she's very authentic. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I thought I liked. What I think you might like is that authenticity as well. I think that's something you're into. Um, you know, you get you might be invested in their struggle and then disappointed in the fallout from it. You know, it's kind of trying to look at what the the people in a community, how do they deal with this situation? Because Killy Murphy's character, Damien's very reluctant to get involved in with the IRA. His plan at the very beginning of the film is to go to London and be a doctor. And then you've got the young lads who are teenagers who get caught up in it and you know, they just one of them, as you says, uh, is it Chris Riley? He's working for the landlord, and his 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 fear of his mother and his sister being kicked out outweighs his loyalty to his comrades and his nation. So, yeah, I think that moral dilemma is something you might deal with. Like, there is a there's a there's a part of this film at the end, like I said, spoiler alert, but. Killian Murphy's ultimately executed by his own brother's firing squad and he's the one who basically mm. he doesn't try and save his brother like many would so you've got that question of you know you've got a brother would you which have you ever fallen out with your brother so much that you know if he would <laughs> consider his actions a crime and then have him put up against a, a post and shot and actually giving the order I've thought about it. I mean, he didn't really like me and Earl and the Dying Girl very much, so ideologically, there's some ammo there I could use. But yeah. other than that, I, I can't. I, it's it, that's it's it's really not that long ago. It's a hundred years ago, but it's um, it is hard to it's hard to put yourself in their shoes. I think. Yeah. Um, what I say, what I say, maybe didn't like. I'm, I personally watching it again today. I thought maybe the first half's a lot stronger than the second half of the film. Um, I think all that you've got when there's a clear objective this film sort of knows what it's looking at there and how it deals with like the cost of independence you know from their defiance to their their fear of the British Um, and then in the second half maybe you get a little bit of I would say you don't really see it from um, what's he called not Timmy um, Teddy's point of view sorry you don't really see why he he has maybe one little speech when they're all in the office together after they've all see the cinema film and you know he's trying to convince them to to sign the you know the be pro treaty and yeah I think that's perhaps maybe you don't get to see him really making up his mind there's no there's no like I think I would have liked one scene where he kind of almost weighs the pros and cons of it. I think that's maybe a bit mm. lacking there. Um, you just see that they both have, a, they've both made their mind up and there's no exploration of why they came to, the, I mean, you get a bit more with Killian Murphy's character, but not so much with, with uh, Porrick Delaney's character, which if I was to say, yeah, Killian Murphy, I mean, he's more of a main character, isn't he, Damien, than, than Teddy. It just, yeah. I love him in, 
True. I mean, you only find out like 37 minutes into the film that he's his brother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is a bit of a misstep as well, I thought. Um, So, yeah, what else maybe you might... Well, I didn't like maybe... um, I think there's a bit too... A little bit too much show... Uh, tell not show you know we always say show don't tell I think there's a bit too much tell in this you find out that the three men have been executed um, they don't show that they, you find out you know you don't see him going with Chris's mother to the grave site at the chapel I mean that could have been mm. a really powerful scene you don't see that and I think it would have yeah. you know you just have a little bit where he breaks down in front of Sinead and you know what 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 am I doing sort of thing um yeah, they're the only, but they're the only real nitpicks I have um, of this film. It's, I think, it's a great film in my opinion. Um, it's just the authenticity of it, especially. That's why I'm saying. Let's get into it then. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna have a wee break, and then after the break, Sam's gonna give his 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 jams. He's gonna get that jam out <laughs> and spread his metaphorical opinion all over the place. He's got some toast. He's got some bread. He's got some toast. It's ready to be jammed up. Let's see what Quite sort of preserve he now. chooses this week. Getting erotic. Good. Right. So join us after the break. I need a break. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, just before we get Sam's jams, what we're going to do is I'm just going to say whether I think Sam actually liked this film or not. Because we usually say whether we think our co-host likes the film. Slick, highly produced podcasting. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know what, I think he did like this film. I don't think he necessarily loved it. I don't think it's like a 9 or an 8 out of 10, but I think it's a solid 7 for you. So, I'm, so go on then, Sam. That's fine. Let's out. have your jams. Let's what did you like my gems? I need to have a name that rhymes more things. Um, yeah, I mean, often, Sam's hams, Sam's spam, hams, spams, spams, cans. Listener, if you've got a better idea, bams, Blakely's, mams, Sam's, Blakely's, take, Blake's, Blake's take, right? Blake's take, Blake's, um, Blakely, Blakely's taking, Blakely's taking. Um, that sounds like a takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> we don't deliver on Tuesdays. Uh, this film. Um, yeah, so generally the rule is, or the sort of unwritten rule of our show is that the person who's recommending the film, they know as much as they can about the film, and the person who's being recommended, their job is just to watch it and write down their notes. And I think what's great praise for this film is that I found myself wanting to do research while I was watching it. Firstly, on a historical point of view, because really, you know, one of the major plus points for this is, is that it taught me quite a lot. I had vague notions of a lot of these kind of things and you know obviously I've heard of their IRA but I'm more I know more about what they mean to people now and in the last sort of 30 or 40 years um you know I've heard phrases like black and tan but I didn't I could, I could never quite remember what exactly that was uh, and all that sort of stuff I've known I know that England have been shits to Ireland for centuries um but I didn't really know the specifics of this so what I found in doing a bit of research and, and looking into the context and doing a bit of research was a great quote about this film by Jim Emerson who's uh, Roger Ebert's editor he called it breathtakingly authentic apologies if that's trampled on the toes of your critics corner later that's fine I've just taken two it's words right. from that review he called it breathtakingly authentic and it's true it is it is it is um 
significantly more authentic than most films, and I think it's only the second Ken Loach film I've seen. I haven't seen I, Daniel Blake, but I have seen Kez, uh, and it has that same thing. What's really striking is how much the characters, how much the actors stumble over their lines, or the characters stumble over their lines. It seems to me that that's maybe very few takes, and I mean this in a good way, because that's how people really talk when they're highly emotional. Did you notice that as well, how people kept stumbling over their lines? in the courtroom when the judge she goes I can't remember what word it was but she she stumbles over the, the word but then she just you know she carries on regardless and it happens quite a lot Dan again. Liam Cunningham does the same thing it's either in the courtroom scene or it's when they're discussing what to do after the treaty lots of different lots of different times it happens I remember Killian uh, Murphy does the same thing as well so it feels like it's been done for an authentic taste it's not like a Stanley Kubrick hundred take over something you know walking down a corridor sort of thing and it really drives home as well it's certainly it's so fitting this it doesn't fit every film that's it that that strategy but it fits this because at the start they is it hurling they play yeah they finish playing hurling and then the black and tans turn up and it's just like a bunch of lads with guns in the in the woods running and you sort of you forget that war is that wars this sort of glorified thing but it's just a bunch of people with these weapons that can shoot metal really quickly, just running around in woodlands, you know, and and try not to get. <laughs> what happened yeah. to your job at the young Oxford English Dictionary? <laughs> gun. It shoots metal at the end of it. But this fast. is it, like a, a gun. It's, we've got we've got like a significance to that. But it's just a thing that you cl- you know you press a trigger and it shoots metal really fast and in order Way to <laughs> destroy the organs of other people. And so this yeah. film presumably intentionally but it's obviously very low budget it's just people actors running around in the grass in period costume you know sometimes holding their i don't know what you call it hurling stick hurling club or something a hurl right that's right Uh, i'm sure somebody called it a hurler and i thought that can't be right but yeah they're hurl you know just carrying those around practicing and they're a real sort of boys army you know they're kind of like you know, I won't do the voice. That was another thing. Actually, watching it with all these Irish accents, I was like, <laughs> my my inner monologue just became this shit Irish accent <laughs> for Irish accent for hours afterwards. It's tough, yeah, it's a tough accent. To Don't do, do the, the voice. Uh, <laughs> the Cork accent. Yeah, it's, it's great, and, it, and it's quite it, it's high, so infectious. I think it's really high pitched. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so the what was it? yeah, so he's saying you know like I can all I need to see is a cigarette packet, and they're they're, they're training them in, in this way, and they've obviously got a yeah. lot of kind of army, if not army background, then knowledge of army stuff, and they're like regimenting them and lining them up and, and giving commands and so on. So it's really authentic in that sense. The the deaths are like that as well. You know, they're not some Quentin Tarantino blood spurting everywhere comic book effect. They're really just people falling over and dying in a very real way so it is incredibly raw um and as i say it, it taught me a lot and it's quite interesting as well being english when you watch them there must be dozens of these films but the only one that really springs to mind at the moment is braveheart where the english are the baddies and if you know anything at all about english history you kind of just you just accept that very early in the first act you're just like yeah i get it england they're the baddies because, of course, they are. They're they're the empire <laughs> uh, in lots of ways. So, um, so I was I was on board with it. You know, like you said, a lot of great performances. It was great to see a few familiar faces, but it was even better to see those people I don't know because, like you said, anybody could be killed at any point. They're sort of it's a real ensemble cast. I, I remember seeing in the credits uh, at the start Roger Allen come up, and I thought, yeah, it, 
this will be good then because <laughs> Roger Allen is fantastic plays Sir John mm. Hamilton I think that's his name Sir John Hamilton yeah uh, in this um, and uh, does it very it's, well it's weird it's weird watching him in a serious role now after watching yeah. him in the thick of it and being so just put upon and sort of tired and yeah. you know exasperated all the time to actually see him being somebody who's not a figure of fun and yeah and, yeah exactly struggling and he's, he's actually He's actually got a clipped, clipped, you know, kind of, um, sir, you know, knight accent rather than just yeah. being like somebody who went to a public school. But you know, he drinks Merlot or whatever. I don't know. That's not really good. Good way of putting it. But yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> seeing him as a kick, straight character, and he's uh, he's just a really wonderful actor. I'd recommend. Have you seen Hippopotamus yet? No. That's okay. A future episode. I'll write that on the list right now. Um, so he was great. So th- those were the two big things, really. That are two. Two or three big things. I learnt a lot. Very authentic, great performances think, as well. And I it think was the deaths of the, yeah, yeah. It's not an easy watch, is it? As I mentioned <laughs> earlier, it's it's not. It's it's not designed to be either. I don't think. No, I think that's fair. It's it does what it intended in that in that sense. And there's no I, there's no glorying of of war, is there either? There's a real there's a real human cost to this film. I feel as well. Mm. It's it's heartbreaking the, when he kills Chris because. Yeah. Because Chris is is one of the is is one of them is hurling at the start. I assume that's the verb for for playing yeah. hurling. <laughs> he's hurling at the start, and uh, it's only on rewatching it now. So usually I try to watch the film twice. I think the the this is a I suppose maybe a backhanded compliment to the film is I never want to watch it again. So I have been, <laughs> I have put it on in the background while we're recording just so I've got things fresh in my mind. But I never want to watch this film again uh, because it was so well done. Because it's so harrowing. Because it's so brutal right from the first. I mean, the first scene is them hurling, and then the Black and Tans come in and they kill. Is it Michael? I think he might be called. Uh, yeah, Michal. Yeah, that's right. Um, for for not giving his name in English, he's, he's only speaking Irish to them, and he's been very obstinate. And you don't see him killed. I assume he. I don't think he was shot because you don't hear a gunshot. But he's kind of built beaten against a. Yeah, I just, my assumption that he was just beaten to death yeah, quickly. Yeah. But you might but you don't you don't hear a gunshot, which I think he, he would have done in Exactly, that yeah. And he's there just kind of like, you know, tied to a post. Uh, and it is it is brutal because he's he's obviously being rude to them, but he, he doesn't he doesn't deserve that. So immediately you're on you're on you're on their side and you understand that what they're working against really. Can I ask then at any point did you feel like that the English characters in this were a bit two dimensional? They were just, you know, the the cannon fodder or the the brutal oppressor and the the political overlords. Do you think there was there was a lack of maybe subtlety in their performances? Not performances. Well, the I mean, the actors do perfectly fine. I think those soldiers, the black and tan soldiers, are actually um, ex army officers and they right. were ex, or soldiers, and they were told to behave like you would in a. If you were in like a, doing counterinsurgency work in like Iraq wow. or Afghanistan, and which so is which is this... off-putting because because they are just creating they're just causing conflicts. They're not very good at de-escalating a situation, um, and that happens a lot. Somebody who's in control of a situation, not in control of a situation, somebody who's got the power in a situation, um, they don't they don't handle it very well. No, I think. I don't think there was an obligation for this film to do that. It didn't necessarily have to make it a complicated thing, but it does a really good job. Uh, I don't know his name, but he was on Peep Show. He plays Stuart, the the hunk of monk that Big Sue's um, gets with. And, you know, I've only seen him in two things now, Peep Show and this, and I think in on the scale of his monstrosities, he, on, in Peep Show he drank milk from the carton, from the fridge, uh, and then this... 
That's like what that was the, this? that's the worst thing you did was drinking milk out of a carton, and then <laughs> the second is <laughs> being part of the uh, wait, what was what was that regiment called? What, what were they called? That he was he's, he's not a black and tan, is he? He's um, he's just British. Well, force. there was there's just there was the Irish Army, and then there was the the black and tan, which were Irish Army, but they weren't. Sorry, English Army. So, um, apologies, not Irish Army. So there was the Irish regulars, and then there was the Irish black and tan. So British regulars, British black and tan. They were like a specialist sort of regiments designed to try and do counterinsurgency. The sense I got is he, he's, he wasn't necessarily black and tan so much as a yeah, just a British officer. So, so who is? Sorry, I'm not so, sure. Who you're so about. he's he's one of the guys who scenes he in. He's one of the guys who's at the. Um, they they imprison the the lads. Oh gosh, he's one of the is he, he's one of the group. Is he one of the posh. Is he one of the officers or is he one of the is he one of the like regular soldiers like one of the young people? Just you know, because that there's that quite you know we'll get into it. But there's that scene where Killian Murphy's being asked his name in, when he's in the jail, and the young lads told to shoot him, and the bullet the the, the gun doesn't have. There's no round in the chamber at that point. That's him. And he's yeah, in so bits he's, as well. He's not the young lad, but he's the guy... Oh, I might have got this wrong. I think he's the guy giving the order. Uh, he's the Basically, he has right, a moment okay. of... He he has one of the... The two, blonde haired man. He's got like a light brown hair. I think I'm right. He might be in the room when Chris is giving the details to Roger Allen's character. But anyway, that's that's material. He, you might recognise this. And he, So he he's speaking to Killian Murphy and he's saying... Look, I'm just a soldier acting on my government's behalf. Is he the one who says I've been sent by my government? That That's him. I think he is the one who yeah. tells the young lad to, to shoot him in the temple. No, he's the other one. He storms out of the room, tells the like the sergeant or something to come in to deal with him. He comes in and then he asks his name quite forcefully, quite violently. Yeah. Tells the young lad to shoot him and the gun doesn't go off. And then he, that guy walks off and says, oh, well, you're getting executed in the morning. That's right. So that's he either right. does it to scare him, to try and tell him his name, or he does it to... He's trying to actually kill him and yeah. it just happened when he spun the <laughs> and revolver and put the one in the round. Like I'm not sure. I'm guessing he did it to try and scare it out of him. And I can only assume break so, his yeah. spirit. But yeah, I know who you're on about, yeah, because he's yeah. the one, I would say he's the one English character that has a bit of nuance about him. Mm. He's not... Because it's, it's not a conflict any of them started. They all inherited yeah. it, quite frankly. And he says, doesn't he, he goes... You know, what am I supposed to do? These boys saw their friends blown up at the Somme. Yeah. And you're and it's like you're here causing trouble to them. They fought for your they fought for this country and you're here causing trouble essentially. What that's the there. that is that's true. So there, there is that people. nuance. I don't think like I say, I don't think the film has an obligation to to show the home lives and so on of the of the English uh, soldiers, but but there is at least that. They're not just Space Nazis or whatever they are, you know, there 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 is a sort of personal element to it. So I didn't I didn't really I feel suppose, that, you know. And as as an Englishman, I, I don't I don't need that from a film because I know that there's a lot of blood on English hands. Yeah, I mean, not anybody realistically nowadays. You know, a lot of the people who I don't personally feel guilty for it, but I'm very aware. It's, you, you, know, no, I'm uh, you know, absolutely. So it's <laughs> we, we often we often talk about the the Mitchell and Webb look. Sketch, first sketch, first episode, first series. The two Nazis, you know, are we the baddies? I've seen a meme somewhere that's English people looking at history. Are we the baddies? 
you know, and, and, Harry, and there is a lot are we of the baddies? <laughs> <laughs> it's got skulls on it. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, was, I was totally... And I think Ken Loach is, is English. I don't know if he's got any Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so nice. I think, you know, nice he's well aware of that as well. You don't, you don't have to have it so balanced. Yeah, and I suppose his his thing is class struggle and socialism and all that. So yeah, yeah and, who and because the oppressors I'm normally, are in those films, because really I'm on I'm, I'm on board with that ideology. I'm less I'm less inclined to see it as bias. You know, whereas right, if okay. he was you know very right wing or something, I'd, I'd see that as bias as opposed to <laughs> well, this is just objective truth. I think the only other again, this is a backhanded compliment. It's not a criticism, um, but it's something that. It's something that has a negative impact. It's because it's so authentic and so raw. It hmm. doesn't. It sometimes it doesn't have. I think I'm so inc- I'm so attuned to watching films that do tell you how to feel through their editing, dramatic choices and so on, and, and cuts and all this sort of stuff. That that when I, when I'm just watching a scene that should be powerful on its own merit, I'm less affected by that as as if there was like. If the score didn't hit when he shoots somebody, you know, like something in the score should tell me to feel bad about it or that it's dramatic or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so real. Yeah. You lose a little bit until you're until you get into the rhythm of the film, you lose a little bit of that of that impact. I don't know if that makes sense. But basically no, I understand what you mean. So maybe like when somebody's because there's like the score isn't being overly dramatic, when that boy's being beaten up you're kind of led to think oh well maybe he's okay that maybe sort that's, of thing yeah. you know the, the, and that's kind of like part of the soundscape of the film almost is that the violence was just omnipresent yeah. you know you might not happen today it might not happen tomorrow it might not happen for five years but if you cross the line that's it you're yeah exactly yeah hurt. so like something like the, the you know the D-Day landing in Saving Private Ryan is so dramatic and filmy that it's so effective because the score is affecting you, it's making your heart race and all these things. Whereas in this, it's obviously it's smaller scale. It's a lot more guerrilla warfare and so on. But to it's people in a field and somebody dies. I don't know. It just has less of an impact. I'm not saying that the film could be improved by having more stylized editing and so. On. I'm just saying that what's so good about it has that has that. There is no. There is. No, there isn't any like stylized violence in this, is there at all? Let's be honest. There's a no. bit of nail pulling, which is which is very yeah. gruesome. Yeah. But it's yeah, it works very. It's very dramatic because you know, I think what that does and what I think makes it work really well is when you make the violence seem. I don't know how would you describe it. You know, personal or mm. you know when something does happen. You know, when someone gets punched, you know, they're bleeding. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're not yeah, yeah. just, they're not just like, oh, I'm fine. It's you know, like a, an action film. Hobbs yeah, and Shaw just here. jumping up out of it and throwing the car over the, yeah. the cliff or whatever, yeah. Jumping off out three-story windows and, you know, yeah. nothing but a Through scratch. A <laughs> into a swimming pool, yeah. So, yes. so, you know, I'm not saying it's a problem with the film at all. It's more my problem uh, with that. Okay. You know, and it takes a bit of getting so, was the, so... Was there any criticism you had of the film then? Was there anything you didn't like about it? Not really. I think those those two backhanded compliments are the are the are the criticisms really that that it's very authentic and has that uh, that problem and that it's so brutal that I never want to watch it again. <laughs> again, they're yeah. they're both they're both compliments really. Um, no, nothing really springs to mind in terms of, in terms of genuine. This is what's bad about the film. 
Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Well, actually, I'll tell, I'll tell so, you what. I'll tell you what from oh, a, just from a, yeah, you're right. The the last the the second half is is in some ways weaker than the first. When they got the treaty, um, I thought, oh, that seems like a victory. I didn't really know what came after that historically until after I watched the film and mm. and so on. So I kind of paused it to go get a drink. And I saw that it, it, there'd been an hour and 20 and there was another sort of 40, 40 minutes left or so, or 45, 50 minutes left. And I thought, oh, mm. even though I've been enjoying the film and it's a really good film, I have to admit that there was a bit where I thought, oh, God, I don't know if I want to watch this one in the 40 or 50 minutes. Not because it's so brutal, just because it feels like the film's done. In yeah. the same way that, you know, like... Casino Royale should finish around about the time that he kills the sheep <laughs> or that the sheep dies, but it's literally yeah. thirty or forty minutes after that that it because they I just actually really enjoyed that part of the film. The uh, like I like the fake out that you think it's over, yeah. and then it carries on for another forty minutes. And it's I remember really the cinema, long. It's a really when the Shifra dies, I was like, oh, is that it? That's a, I know they're trying to go a different direction with Bond now, but that's yeah, that's not Bond. You know, nothing. Nothing's really. <laughs> he doesn't. He didn't kill him himself. Somebody has to come in and shoot yeah. him. So it's a very similar to this, and I'm not, and obviously the, that's what happened. There was a there was a victory, but it wasn't enough of a victory. So for some so. There has to be another thirty-four minutes exploring that, but just from a film watching, you, you, you like sometimes you watch a film, you know, you know this. Like you watch a film, you might pause it, or you just want to check how long it's been going, and you're only halfway through, and your heart sinks. And you can be enjoying a film, but that is a definitely a mark against a film, isn't it? If your heart sinks, there's another forty-five yeah, minutes to go. I think f- for me, I certainly thought there's there's two films essentially here, isn't there? There's I would rather watch a film. You could even have like a sequel to The Wind That Shakes the Body and just have an hour, an hour and a half film where it just simply deals with um, Teddy and Damien's like struggle against the British. Yeah. And then you could have another hour and a half dealing with the fallout from that fight. And, yeah. you know, it almost picking up where this, the other film left off. It It felt like the themes and the things that it wanted to explore in the second half of the film were really rushed because it kind of like you said it was the first half was maybe an hour an hour and ten even up to an hour and a half like you said what was it an hour and a half you were into mm. it and you're like About oh my god 20, yeah. half an hour 40 minutes of this and I think those themes are quite powerful on their own to explore yeah. um, especially when Ken Loach himself is saying you know the two things on the agenda how you know are we still going to have imperialism by another name just with a different flag or is can we build mm. a better society after we've thrown off the chains of our oppressors and that's and that's a very interesting topic and you can make that dramatic you can make it exciting you know you can develop your characters better i feel so there's yeah, plenty I mean, to explore you know, and there's a there's a couple of years of fighting and so on that you could yeah make. I, think, I don't know if that would be preferable but certainly it's a viable option isn't it to have that second thing i mean i don't i don't yeah. know this because i've only seen this film once really now other than having it on in the background right now had they set up that that teddy is less I mean, really, they'd set up that Damien is less down the line than Teddy, you know, that he was willing to go away to London. Yeah, I like, think... that could have been maybe I some... It feels know. a little contrived, doesn't it, that for the sake of the plot, that, oh, well, our protagonist is the one who's the, the anti-treaty character and the one who's been the Republican for, you know, with the IRA for the... Because it basically says he went away, came back a man, and, you know, he was already mm. basically in the IRA at that point. It was more... Yeah. It did seem weird that watching it again, that Damien was the one who was like, "No, we've got to push on and try." But then and again, get maybe that's maybe that's character development because you know. Yeah, you could argue that because because I think character development is one of those things, though, isn't it? It's like when it's 
when it doesn't feel authentic development, it, it feels contrived. And True. I don't think it felt authentic development. It's I funny though, it because much, on paper it's just so reluctant. Yeah. It should because he killed Chris and then he talks about that six hour trek with Chris's mum. And then she said, I don't want to see you again. You know, and he, he explains this when he's wait, basically awaiting death that, um, uh, what is it? What is it? It says that, you know, I basically I killed him for, for being a traitor. I'm not going to be a traitor myself. It's He's more now invested in the need for a true Republican, a true Republic more than anybody else because he's killed Chris. Yeah, he's he's maybe deeper into it because he's had to kill somebody on his own side. It's it's fascinating, isn't it? It's it's kind of like, it's, is that the tipping point for him? You know, he's always going. Well, was it worth it? Um, mm. This new island that we're trying to build. He even says that when he yeah. kills Chris. I hope it's worth um, it. Yeah, I hope it's worth it. Yeah, that's what he says, isn't it? So yeah, I I, it's it, it, it. This is. I mean, this is what the director wants, isn't he? he wants you to have these yeah. discussions about the nature of sacrifice and fighting and trying to build a better future or what sacrifices do you make to try and and it is so human cost it is so foreign to us i can't imagine i can't genuinely hand on heart imagine dying for a cause other than the life of a loved one uh because because i've never had a i've never it's never been threatened in my lifetime sort of democracy in, in england hasn't really seen a threat or you know we've not I've not really known war on British soil in my lifetime all that sort of stuff it's really hard to put myself in their shoes you know so it is it is a fascinating insight into that into a bunch of just normal lads you know a few generations ago yeah yeah like I think maybe my great grandfather's generation maybe yeah it's crazy isn't it maybe my yeah yeah you're right actually yeah maybe maybe, no I'd say no, maybe great great grandparents. Well, I mean, our our grandparents were born in the thirties and forties, presumably. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, but they could our feasibly. Their parents would have been born in like the turn of the yeah. century, yeah, Edwardian period. Yeah. Anyway, Sam, I'm going to move on, and instead of saying what was your favourite scene and favourite lines, because that's I think they're kind of a bit they're a bit trite terms, you know, they're a bit. Well, oh, I mean, I wish you told me before, I liked it when he got his nails pulled out. I've but, uh, I have you know, prepared the favorite most... scene and favorite line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was. But I'm, I'm going to rename it. So, what was okay. the most like impactful scene for you? I uh, really liked their debate after the treaty. Actually, as much as the critics maybe maybe criticizes too strong a word. I think all the criticisms we made of the film are just, and this is how it could have been done instead, but not necessarily at its cost. Um, where they're they're debating the new treaty because. It is where the film goes from being kind of he is this villainous enemy to, like say, brothers fighting brothers. Um, because my brain is so addled with MCU now, I can only put it in Marvel context. It went from being like uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron to yeah. <laughs> Captain America: Civil War. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, or or even if it's a, not in the MCU, but a Marvel film like Apocalypse in X Men: Apocalypse to being yes, it's Civil War was the thing, and again, Civil War was like this in the sense of Iron Man isn't the one that you would think wanted more regulation. Captain America is the one that you would think wanted more regulation. Actually, they go against type because of character development, because Captain yeah. America is and all that. You know, he's been jaded and so on. So as much as they're very different films, that that is that is what I liked about that scene where it became that nuanced enemy and brothers against brothers and so on. 
Right, How about okay. yourself? I mean, the, the thing of nail pulling and stuff, all those things worked. The, the brutality, a lot of the deaths uh, really affected me. But just thinking about what was important for the film, that, that was a great scene. So my favourite scene was, we've already mentioned it, the, um, the scene where he goes into the jail cell to give his name and he basically says... He gives all the facts that he wants to be treated as a political prisoner of a belligerent in a, you know, in a war of occupation, and that is that, that's you know he gives the facts about the parliamentary election, saying we you know we won seventy three out of one hundred and five seats, you know I'm, a, you know, and he calls him a common murderous criminal or something like that, yeah. and he's saying well no I'm not I'm this is what I actually am, you know this is what I was doing I wasn't going around killing people for the sake of it. And it is important to contextualise it, you know, the, the idea of like, yeah, fighting at the Somme, being in the First World War and then coming home and then dealing with this, or, you know, going over to, to Ireland from what you think is a, a noble standpoint to then have to do mm. this. And, and, you know, I, I did think that whenever, like, an English, when they killed the, uh, the well, I don't know what you call it, not a platoon, like the, the unit of, uh, of English soldiers in those two cars... Yeah. Yeah, I did think, wow, those lads probably survived the First World War <laughs> to then be killed by a bunch of lads in a field, you know? I think there is a bit of the First World War kind of, from the Irish point of view, missing, because there was a lot of Irish people who served on the Western Front. It did make me think, actually, yeah, was there much of an involvement? I, I genuinely don't know, some really basic facts. I think the premise maybe at the beginning of this film is, me. I don't know, it, does, it doesn't say that Teddy fought. Teddy seems like somebody who might have done but obviously Damien mm. I think the idea is he's a bit too young to have been on the Western Front maybe also he was we know that he went 22. to uni and, and he's a doctor so he, yeah it seems unlikely yeah. that he would have had time to be in the war yeah um, I think that was maybe one thing that was missing from this film if you were to say genuinely glaringly historically from historical accuracy that I think the, there's a lack of input from those who actually served in the British Army and yeah you could definitely come away from this thinking from people thinking did Ireland ever take part and maybe downplaying people who lost their lives yeah yeah I don't, I don't know enough um, about it but yeah that scene's really it's very charged and it's it's really emotional when you know when he the guy pulls the trigger and the young man who's got got the gun the young soldier's crying isn't he at the end of yeah. it you can hear him sobbing because he doesn't want to he's just being told to do something and you can see the expectation it's almost like his side versus the other side and it's like what am I going to you know that I've enough almost I don't have anything against these people, yeah. but my, you know, the, the how governments compel people to do awful, awful things. Yeah, when when they kill the, the unit of, um, of English soldiers, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he's kind of leading and, and, t- and training. He was like, okay, now yeah, look over there. I think his character's called. That's right, yeah, that's right. And, they, you know, they, these are mercenaries, they were sent here, and he's making it very clear to them they would have killed you mm. if you hadn't killed them. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. And obviously, there's the the, uh, the scene with Chris when he shoots Chris. That's really powerful. Yeah. And when he shoots um, Roger Allen's character, I think even that's even though they're kind of they're back to back, so it doesn't quite. You don't really get to see maybe the impact of his Roger Allen's death as mm-hmm. much, but you just know that the other lads have died. I think maybe they could have. Yeah, that's 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 what I enjoyed. I say enjoyed. That's an impactful scene. The nails, like you said, when he pulls them out, um, when he executes his brother. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. hard to not say. It's not. Yeah, I mean, yeah like I said, it, it's a bit 
operatic like would he really be the guy who like the lad next to him says I'll do it if you want and he's like no yeah. no I'll do it and he's kind of my principles come before yeah there's anything. a bit of a Game of Thrones thing about that you know if you're the Ned Stark teaches teaches his children you know if you're going to make the law then you should be willing to willing to execute the guy execute it yeah you know uh, I think I think there was a lack of maybe leadership there I don't think that would have mm-hmm. happened I think somebody higher up would have said no you're not doing it because yeah. it's not good for you and it's definitely not good for him <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so that but then the one that got me more than that one was when he goes and he brings the his letters and mm. the um, the trinket that he gets given to Sinead and Sinead it's the final often, scene isn't it yeah. yeah she just breaks down and she's like I never want to see you again and you know and the letter is beautiful. The letter is beautiful. The, the you know, I do think God, if you sat there waiting to be killed, how do you write something profound enough for for a family member, or a loved one to to deal with it? And it is great. And we'll probably get into it in some of our favorite lines, really, because he's yeah. Kinda, well, let's he's, he's let's move succinctly into favorite lines. So yeah, let's do it. go on then. What what are your favorite lines, Sam? There's one that we we referred to earlier, actually, which I thought was which I thought was great, which was um, when he was. Uh, about to kill Chris and he said I studied mm. anatomy for five years Dan and now I'm going to shoot this man in the head I've known Chris Riley since he was a child I hope this island we're fighting for is worth it because it really does set up he's the one who has to be against the treaty really he needs this island to be as good as it can be yeah how about yourself any others that's the big one that comes to mind uh, if you want to give me yours and then I'll uh, I'll, I'll tell you anymore. so uh, this is Teddy to Damien and he just goes it's not too late Damien and Damien just replies for me or for you yeah and that's just a so you know it's like you know he's saying what are you doing you know you can still you don't have to do this you've got a choice here and yeah. you're making the wrong choice but um, he's up to, to, to the final yeah yeah and they're both as stubborn as each other frankly <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of you know, one of them's got a firing squad do you know? Do you think there's a bit of karma, maybe, in the fact that he dies because he killed young Chris? I th- but again, he did it at Teddy's orders. So I, part of me thinks, part of me kind of thinks, when they kill Chris, as I don't think it would have gone down like that. I think they might have made a bit of a show of it and let him, maybe exiled him, you know, sent him away or something like that. I think it would have been. He does get pressure from preferable. the uh, from his friends that it's kind of. I can't remember who says yeah. it, but he says, you know, this is war. What we're on about here, lads, yeah. this is war, you know. Um, and it's yeah, brutal. Yeah, what it's, are we doing here, lads, yeah. That is, is it the is it lines like that, isn't it? What are we doing here? Yeah. You know, if we don't do this, why are we here? Exactly, yeah. I think yeah. Platoon's tagline is the first, uh, what is it, the first the, is it? first fatality of war is innocence? Or, the first, uh, you know, so the first victim of war is innocence, and that really is Isn't the true. first casualty of war Casualty. Truth? Isn't that the isn't That, that might be also line? something, I don't know, maybe I've misremembered something. So another couple of lines. No, no, it's really probably like, a play on that, isn't it? That's it right. A, yeah, that's probably some politician um, back in the day. No, it was famous writer said it. The first casualty in war is truth. It could even be an ancient writer. I can't remember. Sounds like something Mark Twain, I'd say. We'll assume it's Mark Twain or Sun Tzu, and we'll 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 get on with it. So a couple of other things I really like from Damien's letter. Actually, two two great quotes that came out of it. It says. It's easy to know what you're against, but quite another to know what you're for, which really plays into that. Yep. I hope this island we're fighting for is worth it because they're really just fighting to be able to run it the way they want to run it. And then also... Yeah, that's... I've got that as well. Yeah, and then I tried not to get into this war. and did. No, I tried to get out of it and can't. 
he's yeah, really tied cool. into it. Yeah. I really liked the line as finally where he says to his brother, he goes, you've wrapped yourself in the fucking Union Jack, the butcher's apron boy. <laughs> yeah, I was intrigued by that. I wondered if that was a, a common saying. Uh, it's been known. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a wee break. Again, mm-hmm. we're going to come back. We're going to have a look at the critics. We're going to get Sam's rating and we're going to try and do a quiz. And, then we all, and we'll also get uh, details about next week's film. So Looking forward join, to us, join us in, this in about 30, 32 seconds. <laughs> Welcome back to Please Watch This. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to have some uh, people who write and criticise films for a living give us their opinion. Mm, Professionals. Yes. So you already alluded to it earlier. Um, I'm just going to, from Jim Emerson, um, RogerEbert.com, the editor there. um, He did a really good review. I really enjoyed reading his. And I'm just going to elaborate a bit further from what you said. So, he writes... As a so-called period film, the one that shakes the barley feels breathtakingly authentic but never old. Cinematography, uh, sorry, cinematographer Barry Aykroyd captures the past with fresh, painterly detail in muted blues, greys, browns and greens and some lamplit interiors that invoke the palette of Van Gogh's The Potato Eaters. And he gave it four stars. And yeah, I think that's my favourite review that I read, quite honestly. Yeah. Because he really looks at it from the visual side of it and how uh, Ken Loach kind of paints this real grassroots picture of 1920s Ireland, essentially. Do you know what sort of budget they were working within? Because it really... Uh, Yeah, about eight uh, eight point... On IMDb it said 8.2... No, 8.7 million. Right. I think I'm right in saying it was his most uh, most, uh, financially... Successful film. Yeah, it made today. it made about twenty. I think it made twenty six point eight million dollars, right. according to the IMDb. You know, always take those. You know, the big pinch of salt. Yeah, you know, they're not. They're not. they always the best source. But say, uh, yeah. So, say if you even if you say half of marketing, take another half off for taxes and things like that. Mm. You know, it made a good three and a half million pounds. Money. You, yeah. Three and a half million dollars. So, yeah, and also won the Palm Door at Cannes in two thousand. Cannes in 2006. It's got that vibe, hasn't it? Because it means something and it's very, yeah, has those indie sensibilities, low budget sensibilities as well. Yeah. Would you like a quote from Mark Hermode in The Guardian? You know me. So here we go. For all its alleged anti-Britishness, The Wind That Shakes the Barley stands as a testament to a homegrown tradition of thought-provoking cinema with an international audience of which we should all be proud. Fantastic. Hermode liked, liked what it represented and he was very much into what it was, what British cinema, and because it's a it's a collaboration, British and Irish. You know, it's a it's a joint venture. There's no doubt about that. It's not, you know, an Irish filmmaker trying to be like ah, you know, up oh, there are <laughs> you know all that. It's <laughs> an English filmmaker, a Scottish screenwriter, joining together to look at something they must have thought was interesting and profound enough and said something about the times we live in. I've got one more quote, though, for you, if you like, from, from one more critic. Is this the dissenting uh, this voice? 
No, this one, I was trying to find a dissenting point. Peter Bradshaw didn't really like it. He only gave it three <laughs> stars out of five, but I couldn't really find what he didn't like about it. I re- it was actually quite a nice review he wrote. I just... He just gave it three and a half, three stars out of five. There was no, I was gonna, I was gonna include it, but he was just, yeah, he was Odd. very glowing about it. So this is from Jonathan uh, Romney in the Independent, writing contemporary uh, writing at the time when the film was released. This is Ken Loach's most provocative film in ages, and it's also among his most dramatically compelling. And it is so for reasons that transcend the strict limits of its argument. Loach might question the terms of this analysis, but if the wind that shakes the barley demands to be seen, it's as much for its poetics as for its politics. So he's saying it's a poetic film visually and the politics is always there with Ken Loach, but this one kind of stands above some of his other works because it's so well made. Yeah, and I think that I think that's fair to say. I think um, have you seen any other Ken Loach films? I've seen the film that he did a couple of, a few years after this. Uh, the other one that's set in Ireland. I'll tell you now what it's called. Uh, so the the other film that I've seen is Jimmy's Hole from uh, twenty fourteen, which is basically set in the Depression Island era, and it's about a man who comes from America who's a bit left-wing and sets up this hall to try and educate people in a small rural town in Ireland. Right. It's good. See, it's not, not as good as... That. It's aight. Aight. It's not as good as this, but... It, <laughs> yeah. It's got um, Francis McGeehan, one of the... He's in the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. He looks after Arya for, like, a hot minute. <laughs> I think I might know who you mean. Uh, see, yeah. I think for me, I've only seen Kez... And um, I really desperately want to watch that again. I think you've not seen that. Am I right in saying? No, I've not seen it. So that's on our list. That'll be months from now, I'm sure, we'll be watching that. Excellent So, film. Sam, we're going to move mm. on to get your rating out Let's of 10. That. So, Sam, how many terrorisms out of 10 would you commit <laughs> for this film? Um, it was a really difficult one to rate, and I think I'm going to give it a very strong 8.5. Higher than I expected. Yeah, yeah, I think you were kind of leaning, thinking it might be a, might be a seven, but uh, no, an eight point five. It was, it was hard to know what was wrong with it. It affected me. It's well made, and, and all, all the things that we just said for the last hour. I think eight point five. Yeah, it's an excellent film. My, my question with these, because I'm always a bit reluctant to recommend these kind of heavy films to you. So my question to you is, do you enjoy watching these films, or is it sort of you don't mind watching them every now and then? but you try to keep it a bit lighter. I don't know, that's my yeah. sense with yourself. Well, that's it. I mean, some of the films that we've got on my to-watch list are like this, in the sense of I've not seen Schindler's, Schindler's list. list, I've not seen 12 Years a Slave, I've not seen The Pianist. There's a lot of very brutal films, harrowing films that I've not seen, and I think it's, yeah, I don't I don't enjoy them. I appreciate them. Enjoy is never quite the word, is it? And, I, you know, it's not... No. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I tend to I tend to think they're really good. Schindler's List, I know, is probably going to be absolutely fantastic, but it's difficult, and I think things have changed either through ageing or through having a child and not having as much free time to watch films. You know, it gets to a point where I'm tired Do of an evening. And watch... That's it. If I'm going to watch a film, it's not like I'm I'm just sticking on white chicks or something, but um, <laughs> but I don't do find it hard to watch film. A th- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's you know that's every every Tuesdays and Thursdays. But uh, other than that, it's hard to watch a three-hour film that is going to make me depressed. 
Yeah. Do you have any final remarks then for the wind that shakes the barley? I think it's worth pointing out what uh, our good friend and, and writer Kieran West said on on Facebook, which was that it should be mandatory viewing in all English schools, and I think that's true. It's 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 shocking still that we don't learn about Irish British history in schools. You know, we, there's so many staples that we all learn about. But like I think I mentioned last week, I've got an Irish friend who. Sorry, I've got another Irish friend. Sorry, well, no, you keep telling me you're just proper Irish that he is. Uh, like yeah, he's, he's got the from Ireland and, and live there and all that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's got O in his surname. O apostrophe. Oh, <laughs> Dislike and, him already. Uh, yeah, and he talked me through it. And I was like, God, this is so recent. Like you say, sort of great grandparent age, maybe slightly older. That yeah, it really should be mandatory viewing, and we should know more about it in schools. Yeah, there was always a story that my mum said to me that she she said that her grandmother remembered the black and tan, which I think was bullshit because I don't think she was alive <laughs> or she was a baby when they were about. <laughs> She's dead now, it's fine, so she can't. She can't, can't lie all the dead. Can't lie all the dead. No, that's fine. exactly. So, okay, so... Well, so, yeah, I would echo, by the way, your... Um, I would definitely echo your rating, um, but I would obviously go solid eight. Yeah, of course, you don't, you don't like decimalisation. No, nothing against the inherent concept of decimalisation, just in the rating system. I think that uh, whole numbers just make more sense. Well, here's, here's, here's a proposal for you. We're, we're, we're not far off our 50th episode. We're not. Maybe after that we move to a, a percent score. We could. We could go the, the way of the Metacritic and things like that. Yeah, yeah, it just gives more scope. I'm, I'm still a bit salty, basically, that you gave one of my films seven seven point nine, but you round it down to seven. I really want to give you the freedom to say seventy nine percent. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, yeah. we sh- we could try that. That's a right, Sam. What we're going to do now that we've hit the hour mark and lost all our listeners through sheer boredom, <laughs> we're going to let's do a quick back quiz. Again. Yeah, let's get them back. Now, the I'll quiz. be honest. This is not a film that lends itself to uh, <laughs> trivia. <laughs> so, if you, it's not a very trivial Im- film. <laughs> no, if you get five out of five here, I won't be impressed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> damn it! Okay, question one. So, at the beginning of the film, where is Damien going to work? Lazio. He is indeed. Well done. One out of one. Question two. How many British soldiers are stationed in Ireland? 10,000. Well done. Two out of two. Who wrote the poem on the wall in the jail cell? William Blake. Are you sure? You sound like... Oh, you just need the toilet? Less confident on that one. But you, clear of bowel. It's, it, it's, it might be words. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with William Blake. You're correct. Nice. Three out of three. An extra point if you can remember the title of the poem. I can't. I can't. It's called In the Garden of Love. Nice. And although he doesn't say that this is the title, it's mentioned in that part of the film. He basically, it's the title of it's mentioned in like the beginning, the bit he reads. And then in the actual poem itself, it jumps to the last stanza is the last bit. In the Garden of Love sounds like a, like a, like a hit from the (laughs) seventies. Where do you think they got all their ideas from? (laughs) Okay, so well done. Question four. What does Damien have in his hand when he is executed? Name of what it's called. Oh, uh, name of what it's called. Sinead give it, gives it to him at the uh, near the start. It used to belong to uh, Mihal. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to name it. I mean, is it, has it got like a specialist name? Not like necklace, yeah. pendant? No, I don't know what it's called. Uh, it's called a St. Christopher's Medal. Right. 
Okay. She good. says she does say his Michal Saint Christopher's medal. He looked up to you, and you know. He I believe you that I should have got it right. I apologise that I didn't. It's all right. I'm just going to uh, end our friendship there. So <laughs> join us next week when I will be reviewing any film I want. And, <laughs> and finally, question five: What status does Ireland have under the proposal of the peace treaty? Interesting. It was. Uh, Something along the lines of under the, under the dominion of the empire, or is this what we're getting at? Yeah. So uh, what status do they have? Ah, oh dear. What does it begin with? You literally just said it. Uh, dominion. Dominion yeah, status. There you go. Fantastic. There you go. Fantastic. Good. Just wanted to make sure you understood that firm concept. <laughs> just thinking dominion status was just like one of these airy fairy terms that, yeah. you know, gets right. thrown around in politics. Yes, yeah, so well done. As I said, quite a hard one to Not impressed uh, by the four out of Well, it's either you get easy questions or you get impossibly hard ones and you get no. Well, five, I know what so kind to go for next easy. week then. Yeah. Yeah, you just, it's, you know. What does so-and-so say at this moment? And it could be anything. <laughs> you know, you've got to try and remember hundreds of word, lines of dialogue and see if you were correct. So, yeah, so that was The Wind That Shakes the Barley. That was The Wind uh, That Shakes Sam, the Barley. Mm. What uh, film are we going to do next week? Next week, we're going to do a little little film from a year or two ago called Us. What do you know about this film, Us? That it's Jordan Peele's follow-up film after the success of Get Out um, but beyond that I don't really know any story details Speaking of the success of Get Out, episode 4 of our show, Hugh watched Get Out for the first time, now episode 45 he's going to be watching us for the first time So, do you know anything about the plot or whatnot? Nope, I have not a notion about the plot. Good, nor did I, so when I watched it it was, it was uh yeah, I only watched it very recently, actually. When I watched it, it was all new. So I'll be re-watching that this week. So what to look forward to. Q, if they want to get in touch with us and tell us about uh, their view on whether or not Irish history should be more prominently taught in British schools, how could they do that? So what they need to do, Sam, is they need to uh, either form or join a sort of Republican guerrilla army. What's your preference, then, forming or joining? I really need them to I'm, I'm easy with that one. That's up to them. I'm, you know, oh. live, you know self-determination. Surprisingly liberal this of film. Yeah. yeah, this is what this film... Surprisingly liberal, thanks. <laughs> this is what that film is about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realise I was the, uh, the conservative right wing of this podcast, but there you go. Um, so, yeah, so they need to form... Yeah, they, let's say form, you know, let's go all out. They need to form their own guerrilla Republican <laughs> army. Um, they then need to take to the hills of Cork. That's important. Then what they need to do is get a young messenger boy to ferry a message to us and hope that he doesn't lose it halfway down the path. Mm, yeah, okay, that's fair. If it's 2020 rather than 1920, and email is a thing, just try all the email addresses and then... Yep, all of them. And maybe you'll get through to hours if we have... Start we, with oh, yeah, zero, 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 zero. Do you know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll make it easy for them. They can email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Sam, if they can't be asked using email because, you know, they don't have a young boy to ferry messages between checkpoints, how can they get in touch with us via the internet? There's an excellent thing called social media. Well, it's it's mixed bag. Um, (laughs) Which results. Yeah, we're on on Twitter with that. We are at pleasewatchpod. So do get in touch if you're listening to this and it's the future. Um, Let us know how you feel about it. 
<laughs> so that again is at please watch pod let us know how you feel about us have you seen it do you like it tell us about it get your voice you can even let us know you know you can even let us know what you feel about us in general me and us Sam, capital you u yeah. or simply a, a lowercase u yeah let yeah. us know how you feel about us either opinion will be preferable mm, mm, mm. 2019 2018 19 something like that the film what Oh, right. Sorry, I thought you were saying... I thought that you thought that was the year. <laughs> I was like, oh, Christ, how long have you been in isolation for? It feels like, right, it feels like two years. All right, well, uh, we love you guys, and uh, thanks he for listening all this way. Shoot, okay. I'll talk to you next week. See you next Bye, week. Bye, guys. Bye! Bye.